Well, good morning. It's good to see the church getting more full and full as the weeks progress. Good to see y'all. Some faces we hadn't seen in a while, too, huh? Right. Welcome to all of our guests. Thank you for being with us this morning. It's good to see so many people here. You know, we go from the COVID times to, you know, having the church empty to this. It's just great. I love it. Really warms my heart. Um, if you want to stand and, you know, maybe recite the call to worship with us, I don't know if you have your Bible with you, but I'm going to draw the, uh, the call to worship this morning from Romans 7. And it's, uh, again, Romans 7, chapter 7, verse 4. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead. Hallelujah. Just a reminder, just to silence your devices so they don't disturb us this morning. Your grace is enough. Great is your faithfulness, O God. You wrestle with the sinner's restless heart. You lead us by still waters into mercy. And nothing can keep us apart. So remember, Lord, so remember your people. Remember your children, remember your promise, O God. Oh, we proclaim your grace, your grace is enough, your grace is enough, your grace is enough for me. And justice, God of Jacob. You use the weak to lead the strong. Oh, lead us, Lord. You lead us in the song of your salvation. And all your people sing along. So remember, so remember your people, remember your children, remember your promise, so Remember your people, Lord, so we may. 
this morning. We're so glad for our district superintendent being with us this morning and also the Ford family and they will be introduced in a little bit later on in the service. Uh, this has been a good week. Uh, I don't know whether you knew or not, but Gloria came over this week and helped with the yard work without being asked. Nice. And then Gary, our, our man who takes care of the yard for us came yesterday and finished up the, the yard and blew everything and made it look nice. I think we ought to say thank you, thank you for everyone this morning. Amen. Uh, we've come to worship this morning. That's why we have come to God's house. Uh, this, re this week I was reading something that caught my attention, and the title was, Worship is Practice for Eternity. It went on to say, Any man... Our woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. I don't know about you this morning. I want to be ready for heaven. I want to practice my worship down here. And we're here to worship this morning. So let's join in together as Nick leads us in our worship. Praise God. Let's lift the joyful noise to the Lord this morning. Amen. Thank Him for everything that He's done for us. You know, there's nothing that can stop Him from working. Not even COVID or anything else. So just lift up a song of praise for Him this morning. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my turn till I met you. I was breathing but not alive. And all my failures I tried. Oh, it was my turn. It was my turn. Till I met you. You called my name. And I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness. Into your glorious day. 
it all down at your feet, Jesus. There's so many things going just crazy in this world right now, Lord. We come here knowing that you can restore peace in our hearts. Lord, we come and we lay all these things down before you. We come to worship you. We come to listen to the word that can give us everlasting life, Lord. Not just a word of hope or not just a word of peace, but Lord, we come to listen to your word, your truth, your goodness, we come to dive into it, Lord. And as we enter into your presence, we ask you just to build our lives up. Build our lives up. Make you just be the forefront of everything that we do. May you be the reason why we do everything we do. Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you 
Brother Jerry this morning. Well, good morning, church family. Just want to have a word of family prayer. You bow your heads with me. It says in the word in First um, Corinthians eight, verse nine through twelve says, Be careful, however, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block for the weak. For if anyone with a weak conscience sees you who have this knowledge, eating in an idol's temple won't be emboldened to eat what has been sacrificed to idols. So this weak brother from whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. Father God, we we want to be the example. And we thank you for the strength, Father, to bring an example to people who may need an encouragement, who may need us to get behind them, Lord. And we we know that this is, you know, your body and we all are a part of it. Everyone has a potential. Uh, everyone has a place. Lord, we just thank you for, for, for honing us, for chipping away at us, for chiseling us into the way into the form that you would have us be. Lord, thank you, Father, for bringing us back together to continue to worship and fulfill your will. Father, thy will, not ours, be done. Father, we trust you would give us strength to continue this. Lord, we, we have some, some requests, some specific things we want to lift up this morning. Lord, we just want to lift up the Vallow family, Father, for some, some medical hardships that they're going through lord we we trust that they would be blessed with that the doctors would have grace and to take care of those needs lord we pray for for pops uh mr bob lord we pray that um he would just come out of this this hardship of his um lord god bless miss mary as she does what she can to take care of her friend there father lord we uh we pray for those who are traveling, who are not here with us this morning, Father. Those out there who are, who are watching online, who are, may not be feeling comfortable yet to come to church, Father. We, we ask, you know, and we trust that you know their needs. And we, we know that, uh, that you'll be with them, Lord, as the Spirit is with us, Father. Right here and now, you are with us when we call your name, Jesus. Be with us, Father. And we pray that the... That the the future of this church, where we're headed, Father, would just be directed by your, yeah. Your, yeah. your your wisdom, Lord God. And, and the leaders in this in this place would, would be able to you know, put their heads together and, and continue to, to direct and to just 
stay humble, stay and stay obedient to your word, to your direction, Father, and we trust you will guide us in these endeavors. Lord, and it's in your son's mighty name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Y'all go ahead and be seated. I want to again welcome you this morning. It's so good to see uh, our numbers growing and people coming back. It is great, great, great to see you. So welcome. So glad that you're here. Um, I want to go through the announcements. Uh, we're still having Wednesday morning uh, Bible study with Jerry it's through Zoom for men. So if you want to get connected to that, you can get in touch with him and he'll, he'll get you in on that Zoom uh, Wednesdays. Our Wednesday evening times of Bible study, we are um, in, in talks of maybe opening the church back up. I would ask that you help us in that decision. Uh, if you would love to come back on Wednesday, and that's something you would like to see, let a board member know that you want to come. If you like still doing it on the phone, let us know. Let a board member know so you can help us in giving us some wisdom on making that decision. But we want to look at doing that and bringing, uh, bringing you back in on Wednesdays as well. might look a little different. We probably won't do dinner for a while together. Uh, but we'll come in and, and meet and, and share God's word and spend time. So if that's something you want to see, please let a board member know. Um, and just to go through some things real quick, that the doors are our baskets for offering. If you have your offering here today, you can drop it in a basket at one of the doors. Also, if you haven't signed in and updated your contact information, we're wanting to update all that stuff. So if you haven't done that yet, please do that. Put us a, give us a good number so we can stay in touch with you. The nursery is not going to be staffed. If you need to go in, we got more and more kids coming in, and I love to see the kids coming in. If you need to, to go in the nursery, you can go, but then just come back out, and it's not going to be staffed. So just a reminder there. Um, and so speaking of kids, if y'all will come, we have some coloring books up here. We'd love for you guys to come and get one, and uh, you, can, you can do that while the service is going. So kids, come on up. Don't be, don't be bashful. It's okay. Awesome. Y'all come. Cross, good to see you this morning, buddy. All right, awesome. And so I just was, I just was blessed while Nick was singing uh, that, that song that said, Lead me in love to those around me. Lord, lead me in love to those around me. That is just a cry of my heart right now. And I'm going to read. I've been reading this scripture the last couple of Sundays, but I'm going to read it again because we learn by repetition. 1 Peter 4, 7 and 8. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. And if there's ever a time that we needed to be covered, that we needed love to cover sins, if we've sinned, if we've been sinned upon, I want to love people through that. And that ministers to me so much in my actions, my reactions, how to treat people. I don't want to react in offense, react in, in, in anger. I want to love, and God showed us that, and God showed us how to love others, and I want to love like God loved, and I need help. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not good. I'm not perfect. I don't do it all the time, but I need help, and that's, I want to love others, especially in this time. Uh, and just a, just a praise report, uh, some of you will notice that our van is not in the parking lot. We sold it yesterday. Uh, it was a matter of, of we have some roof work that needs to be done, and we want to pay for that. We don't want to take out finances for it. And so we thought it was best. We're not using the van as much right now, um, and for the foreseeable future it may not be. So 
we put it out there, and God just blessed that thing. And we had a past, another church. It's Friendship Church of the Nazarene, which is up by kind of Natchitoches between Natchitoches and Manny. For some of you who may know, uh, they were in need. They had been praying for a van. And they came, bought it for the asking price, loved it, and they're excited about it. Yeah, we're excited about it. And so God was just, God just moved through that, and it just happened, and that's a God thing. So we're just giving praise uh, for that. So at this time, I'd love to call up Brother Chuck, and uh, he's going to announce our uh, guest speakers this morning. So come on up, brother. Good to see you. Good morning. I bring you greetings in the strong and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's great to be with you. It's good to be in a church. It's good to see the people of God fellowshipping and congregating and look forward to when we can recreate a new normal of what church looks like. I'm here this morning to introduce to you a couple who are being interviewed by your church board to be potentially your pastors for the future. This is your opportunity to meet them, greet them, talk with them. I wish we could all sit down and share a meal together, but because of our restrictions, we can't do that. But um, they have moved through the process, and I want to introduce to you pastors Michael and Leslie Ford. Would you guys stand? Michael and Leslie are both ordained elders in the Church of the Nazarene. They are talented musicians, uh, people of prayer, and compassionate disciple makers. And they have with them the important part of the family. Uh, They have Bryn. She's not here with you. Um, She is 19, is that right? And uh, Lexi and Samantha and Mick. And Mick is down there doing his coloring and getting all of his work done for this morning. We want you to take a moment to welcome them. We're going to turn the service over to them. They're going to share with us from God's Word and I think also in some music as well. And we're excited about them being here. And if you have questions or comments, talk with your members of your church board. They have more information. Or you're welcome to talk with them. That's why they're here. They want to get to know you and they want you to get to know them. I want to take a moment to say a special word of thanks to Pastor Cheryl Stiles, uh, who has done such an incredible job through this interim. And no, he is not through, and we've not released him. Uh, uh, We've kind of uh, taken the air out of the tires out there, and uh, we're going to next nail him to the the concrete and uh, hold him here for for the next little bit anyway. We'll buy him new tires when he gets ready ready to go. But we want to thank Cheryl and Linda for the wonderful job that they have done through this time. Uh, The one thing I couldn't tell you was that uh, this was not just an ordinary interim. Uh, This was one of those uh, unique situations, a a once-in-a-hundred-year pandemic uh, opportunity. Uh, I'm uh, not a prophet nor the son of a prophet, and I couldn't foretell that. But thank you for your work, and thank you for your consistency during this. God bless you. Pastor Michael and Pastor Leslie, I'll turn it over to you as to how you would like to proceed from here. Would you join me in making them welcome? Good morning. 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 I left my Bible at home, so I'm going to use my phone. Don't 
don't think bad of me. Um, I do have a book, several of them, but this one's always in my pocket, so it's really convenient. You know, there's a name that's above every name. Amen. It's Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus. You know, his name is so high above every other name that at the sound of the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he's Lord. Amen. That, that means every king, every ruler, every person who's ever reigned, every demon, every principality, every power of the air, they will all acknowledge one name Amen. above every name. Amen. That name is Jesus. Amen. That name is Jesus. Amen. That name is Jesus. Amen. The remarkable thing about Jesus is that he is above every name. And he still talks to me. <laughs> I, I can't... I cannot wrap my brain around that. My heart understands it as a reality, but my mind says this makes no sense. How many people here have sat down with the king? How many people have ever been invited to dinner at the White House? But Jesus says every day, hey, can I sit with you? Can I just talk with you for a minute? I'd love to hear your heart. And his is the name above every name. He's the one who was exalted above all others and seated at the right hand of the Almighty. His is the mouth through which all of creation came into existence. And he whispers to me, Hey, my friend, it's so good to see you today. Come, let me tell you how much I love you, what I have for you. Come share my dreams and my passion and my vision and my direction. I, I, oh, I just can't wait for you to be a part of what I have going on. Who, Jesus. <laughs> if talking about Jesus doesn't get your fire going, your wood's wet. I love, I love to read the language that John writes in Revelation about Jesus. It gets me fired up every time. I love, I love the meek, lowly, humble Jesus of the Gospels. It's beautiful. But there's something about that Jesus with fire in his eyes and a sword in his mouth and an army behind his back riding in on a white horse, victorious and powerful, that just makes you go, oh, yeah. <laughs> Whoo, that's my Jesus. Because there is a definite and real darkness that exists in our world. There is hatred and envy and jealousy and strife and malice and, and, and pain and hurt and sickness and death and disease and division and all of the things in our world that just break our hearts. Oh, but that Jesus, when he rides in, whoo, it all goes away. Because he's victorious. And his name is the one at which everything else will just bow down and fall on its face. And only he will stand. Church, I want to posit to you this morning an idea. The idea is very simple, but the most difficult calling in all of human history. We are supposed to be like Jesus. 
It's a simple idea. It is the foundation of everything that is Christian, Christian, little Christs. That's what the actual Greek word means, little Christs. It's the most basic idea of Christianity. We're supposed to be like Jesus. Whew, but how do we do that? It's, there are the thousand theological books written on how to do that. There's a myriad of ideas. There's, there's 66 books of Scripture telling us how to do that. There are thousands upon thousands, millions of sermons preached on what that means. I could spend the rest of my life just talking about what it might mean to, to be like Jesus. I could preach on nothing else until I die. Because his, his attributes and his love and his grace and his mercy and his compassion and his power, they're, they're, they're infinite. They never run out. We could just keep going and the more we learn about him, the more is revealed. But I want to posit to you an idea this morning that if we're meant to be like Jesus, step one is we have to know him. Nobody in this room can be like me. You have no idea what I'm like. You guys can't be like me. You don't even know what that means. You may be like me on accident. You may really like food. That, that's like me. <clears throat> that's coincidental, right? That's not intentional. You may have, you know, male pattern baldness. That's like me. But that's, that's genetic. It's not intentional. This call to be like Jesus is on purpose. It's a decision that changes the whole course and direction of your existence. And it requires intentionality. I want to talk to you a little bit this morning out of Matthew chapter 5. It's where we're going to start. And I'm, I'm going to read this to you, and I think we're, it's going to be on the screen for us. And um, very simply, Jesus is, is in the middle of, of his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And he, he's speaking to his disciples and those close to him that have gathered around to hear and instead of addressing the crowd as he was as he gave the Beatitudes, he looks specifically to the inner circle. And he says to them, you are the salt of the earth. Now, I want to point out that word are. You are the salt of the earth. You are. Not you should be. Not you might be. Not you can be. Not you could be. He hadn't died. He hadn't resurrected. The Holy Spirit hadn't been given. But Jesus says, by the very nature of sitting here in this circle with me, you have become the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth right now. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer any good for anything. Except to be thrown out, trampled underfoot. You can go on to the next verse. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, 
This is a very familiar passage. It's one that, that most folks who grew up in the church probably know. But I want to I think about it this morning just a little differently. I want us to think about what Jesus is really asking these, these followers of his to do. I think so oftentimes, guys, the church is content to just be a little better than those around us. To just be a little more moral than those around us. To just be a little more forgiving than the ones outside. To be just a little more accepting of those who aren't like us than most people. To be a little cleaner than other people. I just joke that I call it the Nazarene nursery rhyme. You know, I don't smoke, don't drink, don't dance, don't chew, and I don't go with girls who do. You know, we're, we're content with that. And we, we read this call to be salt and light, and, and we think that this is a call to be extraordinary. Extraordinary sounds good at first, right? Extraordinary sounds pretty good. If I said, wow, that's, that's extraordinary, you think, oh, all right, he called me extraordinary. But let's think about that word, right? If you break it down, it's extraordinary. That's what the word actually is. And if you look up the definition of that in the dictionary, you know what it says? It says a little more than ordinary. doesn't sound too good really does it but we read this call to be salt and light and we think god is telling us to be extraordinary to be a little more than ordinary but let me ask you a question is salt just a little better than or a little different than ordinary a few years ago my aunt made an apple pie for thanksgiving and she was at my grandmother's house because she'd come into town from far away, and she was making this pie Thanksgiving morning, and she reached in the cabinet, and she grabbed the wrong canister, and she made an apple pie with a cup and a half of salt, not sugar. Let me assure you, you noticed. There was no mistake in it. You couldn't take a bite and think, you know, this almost tastes like apple pie. There's just something different about it. I can't really put my finger on it. Is it nutmeg? There's something. No, it was salt. And it was like, whoa! Oh, get it out of my mouth kind of salt. Like lick the napkin kind of salt. Like it was who you noticed, I promise. See, salt, salt never goes unnoticed, Right? You jump in the ocean, you get a mouth full of seawater. Whew, it doesn't taste like lake water, right? <laughs> you, you, you notice salt. Salt's not just a little different than the ordinary. Salt is the exception. Light in the dark is pretty noticeable. Where, where I live in Kentucky, we have a cave system called, called Mammoth Cave, and it's the largest cave system on Earth. And... You, you go down into this chamber on the tour and they take you some seven or eight hundred feet below ground and you're in this chamber and they say, here's what complete darkness looks like. And you're in this massive chamber. It's called Mammoth Cave for a reason. It is enormous. And you're in this huge chamber, like stadium-sized chamber, and they turn all the lights off. And it is complete and utter darkness. There is no light coming from anywhere at any time. It is complete darkness and then your tour guide after talking to you about this darkness and the effect it's had on some of the creatures who live in the cave and that sort of thing takes a lighter out of his pocket and 
And you know what happens? Boom! Light erupts into the room. And it hits every wall from one little lighter. And all of a sudden, you can see. You see, light isn't just a little different than darkness. It's not just a little better than darkness. It is utterly other. When light comes, darkness ceases to exist. When there is light, there is no more darkness. That is the nature of light. It's not just a little different. It's not just darkness plus some. It is something other. Something altogether different. It is the exception to darkness. I I want to, to bring to you the idea this morning that this call of Jesus to be salt and light is not just a call to be a little more than ordinary. It's not just a call to be a little better than that guy. It's not just a call to be a little cleaner than Gloria's. It's a call to be utterly exceptional. To be something else entirely. Something so different. So radically different that when it burst on the scene, what was there before can't be. Something so different that when you take a bite of it, there's no mistaking it. Our call is to be the exception. It's to be the exception. But I tried, I really tried to escape this sermon this morning. This is, this is an idea the Lord burned in my heart years ago. And I wanted to preach something else. But until I see the church do it, I just can't stop. Because I think we're stuck on status quo. I think we're stuck in regular. We're stuck in ordinary. Maybe just a little better than ordinary. We've, we've graduated from ordinary to extraordinary. And thought that was enough. But Jesus is not just extraordinary. His name is above every name. And our call is to be like Him. He didn't stop it just a little better than those around Him. He is the exception. And our call is to walk in that, in that example. And he tells these people, this is what you are. Hal Perkins says, you are making disciples. The question is just, of who? Are you making disciples of you, or are you making disciples of Jesus? You are a disciple. The question is, of who? Who are you following? Are you following your pastor? Are you following your friend? Are you following your Sunday school teacher? Are you following the news media? Are you following a a political party? Or are you following Jesus? Our call, our call church is to be the exception. But church, how do we do that if we don't know Jesus? Would you put up that Philippians passage for me? Paul, Paul spends his adult life in Jerusalem studying the Word, giving everything he has with all of his passion, all of his heart, all of his mind to fervent worship of God. He did everything he could in his religious tradition 
to be as close to holy as he could be. Meanwhile, Jesus' ministry is going on around him. And he sees this man as an exception. And he sees his followers as an exception. And his heart says it must go. And so he sets out with this, with this drive and this zeal, he calls it, to eradicate this exceptional move of followers of Jesus. And then on his way to do just that in the city of Damascus, he has an encounter with this one who's seated at the right hand of God. An actual encounter. I saw Walter Cronkite interviewed one time, and he was uh, very old, near death. And, and I think it was Stone Phillips on 2020 uh, interviewing him. And he said, if you, of all the great things that you've witnessed and reported and, and all the people who you've gotten to talk to and interview, if you could interview anybody in the world and ask them only one question, who would it be and what would that question be? He said, that's easy. I've thought about this for years. I would interview the Apostle Paul and I would ask him this question. What exactly did you see on that road that day? Because whatever happened on that road to Damascus, when, when Jesus broke into Paul's existence, shifted not only the course of one man's life, but literally the course of world history. Human history has never been the same because of one encounter with an exceptional Jesus. And Paul has this experience where he sees into heaven and Jesus says, Paul, why are you doing this to me? I have something more for you. All this passion and zeal and hunger for the word that's in you, I gave you that, but I have something better for you to do than just being a little more than the average Jew. And he blinds his eyes and he sends him on and he sends... A, a, a faithful servant of Jesus to go and tell him this message. He says, I want you to go and see Paul and open his eyes, and but Saul rather, but I want you to tell him how much he must suffer for my name. That's Paul's call. Go tell him how much he has to suffer for my name. I want to read to you from Philippians 3. Paul says, whatever gains, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Now, I want to stop there for a second and, 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 and dig into that, that sentence. Paul says, the things that I thought were to my good. All right? Like, he sits down and he makes a list of pros and cons of what makes me an effective servant of the Lord. The list of pros. Okay? The things I thought were to my benefit. If I just sat down and said, hey... What do I have to offer the kingdom of God? This side is good. This side, well, maybe not so much. All the things I thought I had going for me. When I look at them and consider what it is to be a follower of Jesus, I realize that all of those things that I found in myself aren't actually a gain in all. They're actually a detriment. They're actually a hindrance to my following Christ. I thought it was a gain, but it's actually a loss. It's actually a loss. What's more, I consider everything a loss. Everything in this earthly existence 
is actually a hindrance because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. Now, I, w- I want to give you a, a little bit of a little bit of Greek this morning. Is that okay? The New Testament's written in Greek, and and there are three words in Greek for for knowing. The first one is oida. Everybody say oida. Oida. Isn't that fun to say? Oida. Oida is a head knowledge. Okay, it's just a it's just a factual understanding of reality. I opened the newspaper this morning. I read a headline. I have a piece of information. I know it. That's oida. And then there is gnosko. This is a more a more intimate, more deep kind of emotional. Uh, I know that my wife loves me. Okay, this is a, a greater knowledge than just a simple factual kind of understanding. And then there's epigenosco. Okay, so epi is is a suffix or I mean a prefix rather that means more than or above. And so it's more than just knowledge. This is the kind of knowledge like Adam knew his wife and she gave birth to a son. Okay, this is this is intimate, deep personal kind of knowledge. Now, when Paul says, I consider everything lost for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, which word do you think he uses? The last one? No. He uses oida. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. I consider everything in the world and everything I had in my person to actually be a hindrance to me for the surpassing worth of just knowing some fact about the person Jesus just knowing that Jesus is Jesus is enough to make everything else mean nothing. My Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Paul was an important man. He was probably a wealthy man. He was respected. He was revered. He became a pariah, an outlier, a troublemaker. He was beaten. He was stoned. He was abandoned, mistreated, ultimately beheaded just for pursuing Jesus with reckless abandon. For his sake, I lost everything. And I consider them garbage. This word garbage is scubala. It is the dirtiest, most filthy word for human excrement in the Greek language. This is not the kind of garbage you throw away. It's the kind you flush. I consider everything that I might have had a big steaming pile of poo that I might just gain Jesus. That I might just have Jesus. Next verse. And to be found in him, not having righteousness that comes from me or from the law. You see, Paul says in the verses that precede this, he he runs a a list of qualifications that should have made him great. Oh, I'm a Jew. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. He says a Hebrew among Hebrews. And that's really important because they didn't call themselves Hebrews at this point. They called themselves Jews. He uses that word because the word Hebrew means one who knows the law. He says, as a knower of the law, I am the best. As to righteousness, according to that law, I'm faultless. But I don't want a righteousness that comes from me. 
I don't want what I can do. I don't want just a little better than the next guy. I want something more than that. I don't want a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Gnosko Christ. Yes, to epigenosko, to know intimately the power of his resurrection and participate in his suffering. To become like him in his death. And so somehow to attain resurrection from the dead. He goes on from here, he says, I, not that I've already achieved all this, Not that I can say I've arrived, I've attained it all. This might be my favorite sentence in all of Scripture. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Woo, come on! Somebody ought to run the aisle. That ought to make you shout. Christ took hold of me for a reason. And church, when we will lay down everything else and just pursue Him, I want to lay hold of that thing for which He laid hold of me. He says, this one thing I do, I forget what's behind, I press on to what lays ahead because Christ is calling me heavenward. Christ is calling me heavenward. Church, we're not called to the status quo. We're not called to maintain. We're not called to go through the motions. We're not called to show up on Sunday and sit here for an hour, sing four songs, have a prayer, take the offering, listen to somebody ramble for 30 minutes and go home. We're called to more than that. I posted a quote this week from Dr. Vern Ward, and he said, God's mission is not the church. God's mission, and therefore our mission, is always just beyond the church. But y'all, I feel like the church has gotten stuck on extraordinary. And as a result, we're no longer the exception in our communities. And, and the world is a dark place because there is no light. Because we've settled to just be extraordinary in here on Sunday morning. Instead of being the salt and the light in the world. And I think that's because we don't know Jesus. I think we know of Jesus. I think we have ideas about Jesus. But I wonder, church, do we really know Him? Do we even know that we're supposed to know Him? Did you know that you can have a real, genuine, personal, face-to-face, everyday conversation with the Almighty Creator of the universe? That is what 
He made you for? He wants you to know Him. And not just some facts about Him that you read on a page. He wants to know you intimately, personally, deeply, passionately. He wants you to long for Him when He's gone. My wife and I started dating when I was 17 years old. She was 18. She's, she's an older woman. I, she's a cougar. Um, <clears throat> she's coming after me. Um, if you believe that, i got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. Um, <clears throat> we lived 100 miles apart. We met through a mutual friend. And I fell in love with her in like an hour. And every minute that she was in Elizabethtown and I was in Madisonville, it was like somebody was just stabbing me in the heart. I longed to be with her in a way that is almost indescribable if you have never been in love. When you want so badly to be with someone that it it almost physically hurts, Do we love Jesus like that? We can have high school infatuation like that. But what about, what about the one who died for us? Who was raised for us? Who ascended for us? Who seated at the right hand for us? Who intercedes continuously for us? Do we hunger for Him like that? Do we long for Him like that? We didn't have cell phones back then, you know. Had to get a job to buy long-distance phone cards because my parents almost beheaded me after the first month's phone bill. I, I never wanted to get off the phone with her. I never wanted to stop hearing her voice. Every day I wanted to see her face. I wanted to know what she thought about everything. I wanted to plan our life together. I wanted to know what God had for us down the road. I wanted to know, I just wanted to know her. I want to know Jesus. Church, I, I, want, I want us to fall in love with Jesus. Because when we really know Jesus... When we really know Jesus, the rest of this stuff gets easy. Worship is automatic. You don't have to work up yourself into some emotional frenzy. When you really know Jesus, evangelism, is it just happens. You just can't stop talking about Jesus. When you really know Jesus, the, the spiritual disciplines... They're, they're not hard work. They're necessary food. When you really know Jesus, bringing the good news to those around you is, is never complicated or, or frightening. It just pours out. See, because as you know Him, you become like Him. As you know Him, you become like Him. As, as you begin to see His beauty and His, 
His glory. He draws you into that. And He says, come with me. See my heart. Hear my voice. See what I'm trying to do. I, I have a place for you in this mission. I have a place for you in my vision. I have a place for you in my work, what I'm trying to do. And, and he, he molds us and He shapes us and He says, already you are the salt of the earth just because you're sitting here with me. But He shapes and molds His disciples and He, he forms them into this body of believers who didn't know how to do anything except sit and wait on Jesus. And then He overwhelms them with the Holy Spirit. And all of that passionate love that they had for Him, all of that knowing and being and walking and talking, all of a sudden is empowered and they are filled with this Spirit. And just like He said in Acts 1-8, they go out filled with power and, and, and 12 men change the world. I want to know Jesus. I want to know Him. I don't just want to know about Him. I don't just want to talk about Him. I want Him to walk into the room. I don't want a church service that is designed to make people come in and feel comfortable. I want a church service that makes Jesus feel comfortable. I want Him to come. I want Him to know this is a place where He's welcome. And if we lift Him up, all men are drawn to Him. We don't have to worry about that. I want to know Him. And I want the church to have that hunger just to know Jesus so that we can be the exception. So that we can be the exception. If there's anything that our culture needs right now, it's something different than the normal. The normal is broken and ugly and hate-filled and divided and selfish. And sadly, the church doesn't look much different. If you don't believe me, just get on Facebook. See what your Christian friends say about the world around us. God have mercy. We need to know Him. A lot of problems would be solved if we just knew the heart of Jesus. I don't know what's going to happen for our future or for your future. I challenge you guys this morning. This city needs an exception. They've got plenty of the rule. They need an exception. They need somebody who will break out of the walls and be different. Who will come and light up a dark place. Phineas Brzee said of the Church of the Nazarene in, in, at our inaugural General Assembly, we may be small, but a small fire is of great value in a cold, dark world. just takes a little bit. It just takes a little bit. A little light goes a long way. A little salt 
goes a long way. Pursue Jesus with everything you are and become the exception this city needs. We're going to sing a song and give you guys a chance to just talk to the Lord a little bit. Um, The song is about just going in over your head. My challenge to you this morning is just go all in. Just go all in. Don't hold anything back. Go all the way in, over your head. God, this morning, Lord, we love you. God, we love you. Lord, we long to know you more. We long to reach out and, and, and find you in new and powerful ways, God. Our, my cry this morning, Lord, is that you would take me deeper. Take me deeper. God, I'm full, but I'm not satisfied. Take us deeper. My heart moves away from the shore. 
Whatever may come, I am yours. Oh, further and further my heart moves away from the shore. sink or swim, it doesn't matter. If you would call us in over our head. Take us deeper this morning, Lord. Further and further, move us away from the shore, God. Crash over your church this morning. Crash over your church this morning, God. Lord, I pray a mighty anointing on this church, God. I pray a mighty outpouring of your Holy Spirit on this beautiful body of believers, God. Whatever's next for them, whatever's coming for them, Jesus. Lord, we pray for a mighty and divine outpouring of your Holy Spirit, God. Shake this place. Awaken this place. God, new passion, new vision, new dreams, God. New direction, new goals, new people, new purpose, God. Lord, I just pray a divine outpouring on this body, Lord. Whatever's next, God, it's going to be beautiful and it's going to be to your glory. Anoint them, Lord. Take them deeper. Take them deeper, Jesus. Take them all the way in. Flood this place. Overwhelm them, God. Overwhelm them with your presence, Lord. Overwhelm them, God. Give them so much, all they can do is beg for more. Draw them to their knees. Call them to their faces. Let them get real familiar with this carpet as they cry out for their city. God, do a mighty work among them. We trust you. We believe you. We love you. We adore you. You are our God. We are your people. Lord, I just pray on behalf 
of Nouvelle Church of the Nazarene this morning. Have your way among them. Have your way. We pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen and amen.